Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. You're listening to Rob Kendall. When we talk about sending money somewhere, Mm -hmm. we're talking about printing the money because we have no money. And Casey Daniels. My government would never lie to me, would they? On 93 WIPC. Good morning. It is Wednesday, January 31st. It's five minutes after 11. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So the House Homeland Security Committee approved two articles of impeachment against Alejandro Mayorkas, who is the Homeland Security Secretary. So this tees it up for a vote, and that's going to go to the House, and they will probably vote on that next week. What a colossal waste of time. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about this so many times before that this is what these guys do is they are not interested in solving real problems. They're interested in inventing problems that don't exist. In fact, it, it happens all over the place. It happens at the national level. It happens at the state level. I know later on in the hour, we're going to talk about this stupid thing where they're passing a law to protect people having lemonade stands, <laughs> but yet there's no track record of anyone being having their lemonade stand infringed upon. But mm-hmm. they want to thump their chest here down the street from us and go, look at what we, we did. We fixed this lemonade I mean, stand even, problem. I mean, even Indianapolis in this story we'll, we'll talk about later is like, yeah, we don't we don't regulate that. That's that's fine. Mm-hmm. Do, do whatever you want. Even Indianapolis mm-hmm. was like, whatever you want to do. But it's the same thing here nationally. The Republicans can't solve any real issues because they don't have the political will because, I mean, the political will would involve cutting out the legalized vote buying and cutting out the addiction to big government and cutting out the beholden nature of these people to donors and lobbyists, and they're not going to do that. They're not going to... The Republicans could have solved the border from day one when they took control of the House of Representatives, just like they could have solved inflation and federal spending and uh, all of this stuff. They could have solved it. They don't want to because they value the relationship with the donors and lobbyists and special interests way more than you. So to distract you from their inaction, they'll say, well, we're going to hold this guy who's terrible at his job to account. Are you going to choke off his money? No, we're going to impeach him. Yep. They say that he has repeatedly violated laws enacted by Congress regarding immigration and also border security. They say that he has made false statements to Congress. And that part actually might be true because President Biden said that the border is not secure, which completely completely contradicts what Mayorkas has been saying, because we've heard all along Mayorkas saying, yeah, the border is secure, when in fact, oh, okay. we can clearly well, see that well, it's not. Well, if we're going to start putting people in jail for or impeaching for them for lying to Congress, <laughs> I got a laundry list of people that mm-hmm. would, uh, why don't we start with Fauci and work our way backwards from that? How about that? Is it, they're just... They cherry pick this. This is my point. Is Mayorkas horrible at his job? Yes. Is he a liar? Yes. Does he have any business running? I was going to say a lemonade stand, but we just mentioned a lemonade stand. Does he have any business running a garage sale? <laughs> Much less the Department of Homeland Security. No. But you guys have the ability to fix this. You mm-hmm. Republicans in the House, and you don't want to do it. I mean, look, look at this. The border negotiations. They have to negotiate the border now because the three opportunities they've had where they've had Biden over a barrel on debt ceiling and these continu- and the continuing spending bills, they could have got whatever they wanted 
to keep the government open and they didn't get any of it. So now they play government where they're like, oh, we're in deep negotiations and yeah, we're not going to let them have that funding for Ukraine, but Biden is stopping us from having the funds necessary to secure the border. No, you are stopping yourselves from having the funds or resources or whatever, because every time you have a chance to actually do it, you don't. So Mayorkas has said that the border is closed and that DHS has operational control of the border. But then, of course, U.S. Customs and Border Protection, they sell, you know, they hit a stagger. 300,000 incidents in December, which was the highest total in a single month ever recorded. And the president, Joe Biden, now is saying that he has done all he can do at the border. And he's now saying that it's up to Congress to give him more power to make it work right, which, of course, is also a lie because Joe Biden took 94 executive actions in his first 100 days, creating this crisis. And meanwhile, he's blocking the House Pass Secure the Border Act. Our slogan on this show is we're popular because we dislike all these people equally. Mm -hmm. And this issue right here is the best example of this that I can give you about why we dislike all these people equally. Because on one side, you have Biden, who you're right, Casey, 100%, gets in there. And one of the first things he did was gut so many of these Trump-era policies that were working. Mm -hmm. He basically sends a message to all these people that are coming from these other these other countries on how to stay in the country once you get there. So he's totally to blame for this. Mayorkas is a complete buffoon. He is a liar. He is a dirtball. But then on the other hand, if it's like if your kid is misbehaving and you as a parent don't punish them, if your kid is acting up and you just keep letting them do it, then you are just as much to blame as the kid. And in this case, the Republicans are the parent who never does what's necessary in order to punish their kid. They just keep fully funding all of these Biden priorities, all of the federal government, the Biden spending levels. So they, everybody, everybody, these people are all gross and they're all, they all share the blame equally on this. Well, it's just like the Oompa Loompa said in Willy Wonka, who do you blame when your kid is a brat? The mother and the father. But it was in August of 2020 that Joe Biden admitted that the border is secure under Trump. And then he acknowledges that removing Trump's policies may cause a border crisis, and that is exactly what happened. Mr. Vice President, under the Trump administration, asylum has virtually ended. ICE detention centers are practically empty. Uh, your new plan calls for reversing President Trump's harsh plan. But won't that restart a brand new border crisis? I mean, what, what would you do with all those people in camps now waiting in Mexico? It, it will if we don't do it well. We don't reach out to the to the, uh, the communities that are willing to the charitable communities that will come in and help. And and in addition to us spending millions of dollars providing for access access for judges, access for asylum folks to be on the border to move quickly. Because if we just say okay, all done. We, I've withdrawn the order. You're going to have a crisis on the other side of the border. As Trump's well. migrant protection protocols, you know, remain in Mexico program. I mean, all of this is going to take time, not a long time, but it's going to take, you have to be prepared so we don't create another crisis. Mm -hmm. And you remember when Biden's talking point was do not come. Yeah. The border is closed. The border is secure. And 
Kamala Harris sat down with Chuck Todd on Meet the Press, and she even said, we're going to have two million people cross the border for the first time ever. And he asked her, but you're confident that the border's secure? And her answer was, yes, the border is secure. Okay, so again, with the, go back to the Biden clip. One, did you notice how much better he sounded? Mm. Uh, and again, that was what, was that four years ago? Yeah, 2020. Four, four-ish, four-ish years ago. So think about how far he's uh, fallen and like I said, we kind of thought, well, this guy's losing it even back back then. So l- listen to how far he's he's fallen. You've created this, Biden. There was no problem. I mean, there were still people who were illegally entering the country, and there are always going to be people who illegal in- illegally enter the country, no matter what you do. There's always going to be people who are going to get in. But in 2017, there were 310-ish thousand people who illegally entered the country. Sounds like a lot. It really is. I mean, it's that's you know thousands of people a day. But it's one-tenth mm-hmm. of what it was last year. We're not even talking like, well, it's gone up a little bit under Biden. We're talking 10 times the amount of illegal border crossings. And no one is doing anything about this. The Texas attorney general is saying that the Biden administration is breaking the law on how they are handling the border. So can I just ask you stuff there? Since you're a law enforcement, you're the chief law enforcement officer of your state. Can you assess whether what the Biden administration is doing now is strictly speaking criminal? Are they breaking the law in how they're handling the border? I I think they are. I mean, they're taking federal law and dismantling it. It's it's he has a constitutional duty to implement what has been put in place by the elected representatives. Yes. And he's just not doing that. And he's making up his own rules as we go that allow the cartels to gain a foothold, a strong, a really strong foothold in the United States, not just in my state, but really across the, they're building a network across the country so that they can keep doing this well after Biden's gone. Building? No, built. It's done. Okay. Hey, can we take a break? Mm-hmm. When we come back, I would like to talk about two topics, if that's all right. Sure. Okay. You're going to tell me now? I'm going to yeah, oh, yeah. Casey, I'm a trained professional. <laughs> We're going to totally tease people to keep them listening. Number, okay. Number one, something yeah. happened 55 years ago yesterday oh, yeah. that you and Kevlar over here were just swooning over, mm-hmm. and I just think the whole thing is totally ridiculous. So we can get into that. And I saw a post on one of my favorite Twitter accounts that pondered a really great question that I had never thought about before, and I'd like to discuss that. All right, it's coming up. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to the Kendall and Casey Show. Good morning! 93 WIPC. Good morning. It is 18 minutes after 11. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So the Beatles made a painting together back in 1966. They were in Tokyo waiting to do a show. Mm -hmm. And they did this one painting together, and it's going up for auction uh, tomorrow. Probably going to fetch a lot of money. Um, No doubt. Um, uh, People buy things that defy all rationale every day in this country Mm -hmm. and no doubt uh that will get a grotesque amount of money and uh 
good on that person if you have it to waste on bad beetle art. Who profits <laughs> from it? Is it Yoko? Yeah, how would you do a group beetle? Although I'm going to guess that thing has probably ended up in private hands long before now. It's mm-hmm. not like the Beatles Trust is selling the painting. I'm going to guess that somehow somebody had it and it eventually made its way into private hands. And so Back in uh, 2009, they sold a, a drum skin uh-huh. from one of their album covers from Sgt. Pepper's uh-huh. and it sold at Christie's for a million dollars, Kevin. How would you Jeez. like to have that? As one of a your drum, drum skin from the, you said from the cover? Mm-hmm. Like from one of the drums that they're holding? Mm-hmm. Uh, that'd be pretty neat, I guess. Okay, so we have long had, the reason we're talking about the Beatles here is yesterday was the 55th anniversary of their famed rooftop concert. Mm-hmm. And this was the last time the Beatles were really ever seen publicly together. It is somewhat interesting that those guys were just screwing around because they were, they, they were putting together, they were, they were, wrapping up what would become later um let it be and people will who are fans of the beatles etc will know that let it be was largely leftover material they brought phil specter in because they had done what was the was abbey road the, the last one right before that they'd done abbey road they had all this leftover material it's kind of the cutting room floor phil specter comes in goes oh my gosh this stuff is so great just let me play with it and then it became let it be which is the last beatles album even though they didn't they didn't actively record for let it be so at the end of what would have been Abbey Road and what became Let It Be, they were looking for some way to kind of just put a cap on all of it. And you know, it's a long story, but they end up on the rooftop and then it becomes this iconic thing mm-hmm. that has been etched in our history as though it was some sort of like nine hour masterpiece with flawless sound and the greatest vocals that ever lived. <laughs> and just like with everything else with the Beatles, society with these guys, and it's Taylor Swift too, head injuries, mass hypnosis, uh, I don't know, what's the word, psyop, uh, mind games, I don't know what. I don't know, if you were a person who was alive in the 60s, that's... Yeah, don't look at me. (laughs) I know, you're looking at me. If, If you're a person who alive in the 60s and remembers, I'd love to know what exactly was going on mm-hmm. that people fell victim for this. Because the Beatles, and I have said this many times, made some just horrifically awful music. Mm-hmm. And people are like, it's so great. Yeah, and they also made some fantastic, uh, you know, groundbreaking music. But the, so we got, we started this conversation earlier in the day. The reason they didn't tour after 1966 mm-hmm. was because they couldn't tour anymore because the music was so manipulated and heavily produced and in they studio and you as a musician mm-hmm. should be totally on my side about this that it's complete garbage that the modern version <laughs> of AI or sound machine or whatever made these guys rich beyond their wildest dreams when in reality they couldn't even tour anymore because they couldn't do the music well I always heard that they stopped touring because the girls were screaming no it was because as soon as they were done with Sgt. Pepper (laughs) they couldn't recreate those sounds live yeah Yeah, so (laughs) yeah I mean it's not like they could have a guy repeat number nine into the microphone uh, a dozen times and I just thought that you as a musician musician thought that a bunch of 20 something males were like too much, too many women. It's just, it's too much. I can't handle all these hot chicks screaming at me. Don't want no part of that. Uh, so I, this thing, like everything else with the Beatles, has been totally blown out of proportion. And it's this iconic thing when the reality is it's just them screwing around up on a rooftop. And it well, doesn't even sound that good. It was the end of an era. I think it was their opportunity to play together one last time. But they didn't know that. 
<laughs> I think they kind of did. George Harrison was pretty much walking away at that point, yeah, and boy. they were. I mean, <laughs> the whole, the whole. You know, uh, you love these guys. I do. I do like a lot of their music. I think uh, the best song that came out of that performance wasn't even um, "Get Back." It uh-huh. was probably "I've Got a Feeling." I, I wanted Kevin to choose that. Yeah, she's dissing my bumper. Kevin told music. you to eat it. He did. <laughs> yeah, I put in a request and he you, ignored me. You can admit though. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's go post boy band Beatles. So what are we going to say? Through like Rubber Soul, it was boy band Beatles. What was that? 65, 66. That was kind of boy band Beatle. Mm-hmm. And then obviously it After changed. After Revolver. Right. Re- re- okay. Revolver's fine. Eleanor Rigby's fine. It's mm-hmm. a decent enough song. But <laughs> you can, and we don't count the boy the boy band Beatles stuff, but the oh, the uh, iconic game changer innovative all the stuff they throw out about the beatles po- when they went into color and everything else um a whole bunch of that is just complete garbage well it was innovative for that time yeah and i mean think of all the music that it influenced that came after that i mean they're still influencing people today glass onion is innovative yeah. When I'm 64 is innovative blue jay way a is, day in, of, is a day innovative I mean, I, I, there's some stuff that's fine. I get it. It's been on radio forever. I'm just saying that you just don't like the Paul McCartney poppy side of the Beatles. I just think all their songs sound largely the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Paul McCartney's. If you listen, I don't know what the new Paul McCartney album is, but I can almost guarantee you that if we were to pick, hey, whatever the most recent Paul McCartney album is at 80 years old or whatever he is today, yeah, and if we played that and then we played When I'm 64, they would sound largely the same. Um, I, I I think because there's a formula to writing music, and that was what Paul McCartney was really good at. You okay, know, you, you want to go? The, you want to go one by one? The Ringo stuff is abhorrent. Well, you know what? Yellow <laughs> Submarine. Okay, but he wasn't known for his singing. It's not that he wasn't known for singing. The lyrics are stupid. <laughs> Ringo was a quirky, funny character. Mm-hmm. You people, see, this women is the problem. Too. You and the Swift people are exactly the same. You'll excuse. Anything. Let it be is no. fine. Long and winding road is fine. Uh-huh. Uh, day in the life is fine. A trucker John has called in and said that he would uh, write a song for you to sing. Yeah. And I offered to do background vocals. Great. Kevin said that he would help produce. Fabulous. And you're sitting there judging one of the iconic bands of all time. <laughs> And I want to see what you come up with. But I'm not expecting the world to be under mass hypnosis for some fun little bit we do for our show. Mm -hmm. My point is they had some okay songs, but nothing, nothing they did justified. (laughs) This just, whatever it was, what they come in at 64, is that right? 64, 65, 6, 7, 8, 9, 7 years. This seven-year mass hypnosis that has now gone on for 54 more years. But look at the number of songs they put out. I mean, it's a huge volume of music in such a short time. Here's what we're going to do, Casey, and we're going to do this in the near future. What are we going to do? We're going to, for as long as it takes, we're going to have Kev use all the bumper music as the white album. Mm. And each break when we come in, (laughs) I'm going to challenge you to defend some of the garbage that goes out on this radio station. How about that, Mr. Fung? Um, Okay, so you wanted to comment on something that Super 70 Sports posted the other day. Okay, so why don't we take a break so we have time to get into this? Because I love the Super 70 Sports account, mm-hmm. and they posted something that I thought, I've never thought about this before, but it's actually a phenomenal question, and I'm actually curious what the real answer to the question they posed was. All right, that's coming up with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. 
You're listening to the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIPC. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Thank you. Defend it. No, go on. They were on drugs. It sounds like a nightmare to me. <laughs> it does, does it? The whole thing. Uh-huh. The whole White Album. Uh-huh. Look at all those people. The White Album got killed. <laughs> yeah, they were. They were. They were experimenting. Yeah. That's so that's what defense. we're gonna. That's my challenge to Kev. Is every mm-hmm. so often you just pull out one of those just eye-stabbingly awful songs off the White Album and make mm-hmm. Casey defend it. <laughs> hey, uh, it is the Kendall and Casey show, and I, I did see this yesterday, and, and it is. One of my favorite accounts, and mm-hmm. many, many people I know enjoy this account as well, is Super 70s Sports. And if you've never followed it, I highly encourage you to do so. It's this just kind of wacky guy who makes all sorts of observations from things. Oftentimes, it's things that happened in the 70s and 80s, but it's not always. And it's just hilarious. And almost all of his posts are just just the ones you copy and send to your friends. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to read this post that he made yesterday. I'm going to clean it up. Yeah. Um, have your finger near the dump, dump button, Kevin. Um, and then I'm going to pose this question to you because this actually got me thinking about wh- he's being funny, of course, yeah. when he makes these posts. But I thought, what a great question that I never thought about before. Are you ready? Yep. So the photo that accompanies this post is a photo of Lincoln at Ford's Theater it's a drawing. It's obvious there were no cameras back then, but it's Lincoln in the box and it's Booth shooting him from behind and the people are there and they're reacting as the gun is fired. Are you ready? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to use the word ducking. Okay. Because that is not the word that was used, but I we get it. It'll be close enough for the purposes of this government uh, monitored and uh, radio program. Are we ready? Yeah. Can you imagine how ducking amazing... The first conversations must have been for the people who were at the theater when Lincoln got assassinated. Hey, Herb, how was the play? Some mother ducker shot Lincoln in the ducking head. Mm-hmm. And it got me thinking, like, initially, you know, you see these guys' things and you kind of chuckle at them. And then I thought, that's a great question. And then it got me thinking about other historical American events like you never think about the in the inconsequential people who were there and enjoying the play right and the the, the the thing obviously is became larger than life and is an entrenched it's one of the you know probably three or four most important things that have ever happened or infamous things that have happened in American history but like that happened in real time mm-hmm. and those people were actually there and then had to start talking about it yeah with other people can you imagine what it would have been like to be at Ford's Theater and everybody, my dad made this point last night, which I thought was a great point. He said, and think about it, most people there knew Booth because he was an actor. Right. So he finally got the fame that he was seeking. It would be the equivalent of, and this is the first thing I could think of, you're a Michigander for part of your life. Mm-hmm. So you know Jeff Daniels, who's a pretty famous actor, who's in Dumb and Dumber, Arachnophobia, yep. a whole bunch of movies. He owns a pretty successful, I think it's like a dinner theater in Michigan. And it would almost be the equivalent of if you went to Jeff Daniels Theater yeah. and you saw Jeff Daniels from a high above in a booth shoot the president and then escape on horseback. That was kind of what booth was the equivalent of. So everybody there, if they were paying attention and saw it, because he obviously falls, that's how he breaks his leg, he shouts so that everybody will see him. It's not like he tried to get out and cover a darkness. Mm-hmm. Most of those people would have known the guy 
Who did it? Who did it? Yeah. And you saw the president get assassinated. Can you imagine the aftermath of that? Well, I think some of the people there were probably scared for their own safety, which if I were in the Jeff Daniels scenario, that's what I would have been doing, looking for the exits, get me out of here. And then there were probably people who were trying to get Booth, somebody get him, where did he go? They were chasing after him, right? And then there's going to be the people that were on the side of Booth who might have been cheering him on. That's a great point. I didn't even think about that. Now, I would, I would be very curious, and I'm sure just a little bit of research I could find this, but Kev, maybe you can look into this. Is there any person who was there that night who lived long enough to record mm. their thoughts on a video camera of some sort? No, I do know that there is a recording on YouTube, and it's of somebody who was in the Civil War. Right. It's I, a very, very old recording, I, and it's fascinating because it's this very old person being recorded I, I, talking about the Civil War. Yeah, but think about the, the millions of people who were involved in the Civil right. War. You're, you're bound to have somebody who lived from, say, 1864 to the late 40s or whatever. But think about the small amount of people who were actually in Ford's theater. Mm -hmm. What are the odds that any of them lived long enough or people were cognizant enough in the 30s or whatever to go, we got to find this person and get their thoughts down on camera? There's a show, I believe it was back in the 50s, and you can watch this on YouTube, and there's a guy on that show who was a child in the theater when it happened. Do, and so is he able to give an account? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's a little hard to understand him. He's very old well, at yeah. that point, obviously. But, uh, oh, I'm going to have to find, okay, your job is to find that and send that to me because I would be yeah, fascinated to see it. that. But it also got me thinking like, okay, we obviously hear from the people that, you know, who became witnesses in the in the Kennedy assassination. Mm -hmm. Like there's the famous people, you know, the Zapruder film and the, you know, all these other witnesses who were part of the Warren Commission. But like, just if you're just a regular person, what did you say that day? What was the conversation like in real time before, again, this thing becomes this larger in life, larger in life, most infamous thing in American history type of event where the legend grows over time? Well, Booth shouted out, didn't he shout out uh, Six Semper Tyrannus, something, he shouted something out. Yeah. Either right before or while he was shooting Lincoln, right? Yeah. He fall, well, yeah, he falls to the ground. And he then he shouts. Shout, yeah. And yeah. then he, sh he he screams something out. So I have to imagine people there, what did he say? Like, that must have been a game of telephone. What happened? What did he say? Who got shot? Uh, is, he, is Lincoln dead? Why did he do it? And it was also a conspiracy that there were going to be three assassinations yeah. at the same time, right? With Johnson and... Nicholas Cage's uh, great, 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 great grandfather in the American <laughs> Treasure movie. <laughs> right. Uh, they were supposed to also shoot Johnson and then the Secretary of State at the same Stanton. time. Stanton. Seward. Seward, yes, thank you. So I, I wonder if people were talking about, was did it happen? Did they get the other two that were in the crosshairs at the same time. So I'm sure- No, I think it was Edwin Stanton. No. Under Secretary of War. No, it was the Secretary of State. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Uh, it doesn't sure. matter anyway. You're, go on. But, so there were probably multiple conversations, many different things happening at once. You know, uh, people thinking of their own safety and then where did he go? Why did he do it? Did the other assassinations take place? Yeah. So anyway, that, I just saw that and I got me thinking about all these, you know, kind of huge events in American history. We experience them as 
you know, people who have viewed them with the with the retrospective of time, and obviously the legacy grows and the legend grows. But there were people, whether it's Kennedy or Lincoln, or I was even thinking like, if you were at Martin Luther King Jr.'s "I Have a Dream" speech, mm-hmm. you clearly didn't know in the moment, did you? Or did you know in the moment? Right, hey, you could this, probably feel this that this thing is bigger than yeah. than, and and you were there, and you could actually describe to people what that you know super significant event was like so i don't know i saw that i just thought that was a great thing that i never pondered before uh they just kind of insignificant people who are in the in the crowd and and that's amazing i also wonder how quickly the information traveled because today if that happened today you would know instantly it would be it would be on twitter absolutely it'd be breaking news we would know yeah immediately well it's part of why booth was able to get away for a period of time because people clearly didn't know there was about a day's time where he was able to to you know, try to get out of the city and et cetera. How quickly would uh, that word have gotten out? But I, I think they probably knew that it was a major event. They, I mean, clearly they knew yeah. that this was going to change the country forever. Yeah. Well, I, thanks for indulging me with that because I saw that yesterday and normally I just chuckle at that guy's stuff and kind of move on. But I thought that's actually a really good, like a, he's doing it in his own way there on a Super 70 sports account. But that is actually a really good question. So we were uh, talking earlier with uh, Hammer about the uh, the football game and all of the uproar and the talking points from a lot of people about Taylor Swift and her total of, I, I've heard different things from 18 seconds to 27 seconds of the three and a half hour broadcast of the Chiefs Ravens game and how her face actually was on Mm. TV for a total of like 18 seconds. But did you see that they averaged over 55 million viewers and it was the most watched AFC championship ever? Yeah, but that's not because of Taylor Swift. And this is what pisses a lot of sports people like myself and I think Hammer to an extent off is those people were watching because that was the two best quarterbacks in the league playing Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. Mahomes and it was Lamar Jackson Mm -hmm. and it's a highly touted game and you've got two very good teams it wasn't like there was some super underdog in there and you know obviously the Chiefs have a huge fan base football is king there's a reason that Netflix pays a billion dollars annually to have a crappy game on third not Netflix uh uh Amazon Prime pays a billion dollars annually to have 17 or 16 or whatever it is crappy Thursday games on their on their streaming service because people it is king it is it is past baseball is the national pastime long ago football is king and and it is this bohemian the National Football League that everybody wants to consume and everybody wants to be a part of so it's a 17% increase over last year's comparable yeah. game uh so that will all indications say that that's going to bode well for the Super Bowl, right? Well, you've got so you got a couple things going for you with the Super Bowl. One, you've got two very good teams. You've got two high-profile teams. You, you have an institution team in the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Chiefs pre-Mahomes were very, very bad for a very long time. But they're also an original team, and they're Kansas City, and so they've got a, a, an established fan base. So you've got the best team, which is the 49ers, against the best player, which is the Chiefs. And look, the Super Bowl is a different animal than the rest of the National Football League. You're going to have all sorts of non-football people that are going to, I mean, it's what, a third of the country watches the, mm-hmm. the game, whether it's the, you know, whether it's, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of the worst team, whether, even if it were the Panthers against the Jaguars, there'd be, there'd be uh, you know, a third of the country watching the watching the game. So I do think Taylor Swift, even though she she's not going to be there, right? Because she's got a 
Uh, she's going to be in Tokyo uh, in, at a concert, uh, but the rumors are that, yeah, she's going to, oh. if she gets on a flight, she'll be able to actually Dang. get to the Super Bowl oh. in time. You know, I was really hoping that she wasn't going to be able to be there so I could actually, you know, enjoy the game. Mm-hmm. Nothing really ruins an event for men like women being there sometimes. <laughs> you know, I had a string, Casey. This was really lucky for me. Uh, I had a string of seven concerts in a row where Bruce Springsteen's wife, who was unfortunately in the band, was mm-hmm. not at those concerts. Mm-hmm. And all seven of those concerts were completely Billy Badass, awesome, the best ones I ever saw. And then she came back and they went back to sucking again. And this is kind of how I view Taylor Swift in the Super Bowl. So uh, another concert that maybe you can enjoy is going to be what's happening at the Snake Pit because oh! they have announced the lineup for the Snake Pit at the Indy 500 for this year. You can find that information right now at WIBC.com. Tickets, $55 to $160. Check it out. All right. Elmo tweeted out, and we have to talk about that coming up on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It is the Kendall and Casey show. My name is Casey and Rob is here. And you know, Rob, we talk all the time about how the Brain Trust on West Washington spends their time uh, passing and legislating very important issues. Oh, yes. Like the sandwich of the great state of Indiana being the tenderloin. <laughs> and what was what was the one we talked about the other day that we thought was uh, really, really Which important? Which one? Okay. Well, here's another one to add to the oh, list. Oh, no. And that is a bill protecting lemonade. Go on. You totally have my undivided attention, Casey. Okay, so the House Commerce Committee approved a bill this week that would prohibit counties from regulating lemonade stands. I did not know this. Lemonade stands are technically illegal (laughs) under the current Indiana Code. And uh, under House Bill 1019, counties, cities, and even homeowner associations cannot ban or regulate lemonade stands stands by per, by requiring permits any longer. Who was who was doing this? Uh, it looks like I mean uh, no no who, like who was regulating a lemonade stand? Was there some uh, thriving community in central in central Indiana that was putting the you know the kibosh on the on the the junior or uh, uh, Janie who. <laughs> Who was selling some lemonade on the on, on a, a hot summer afternoon? Like, what was the instigation for this? Somebody was having an issue. Was and there was wanted this a, their lemonade stand? Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, was there some landmark case that I'm unaware of where a seven year old was hit with a twenty five hundred dollars in fines? <laughs> this is what these people do, Casey. They take non existent problems, mm-hmm. they then provide air quote solutions for them, and then they go, "Look at how hard we're working on your behalf." Well. 
and also uh, somebody from the Marion County Public Health Department uh, who said that Indianapolis doesn't currently regulate lemonade stands, <laughs> but then urged the committee to limit beverage sales that might include milk or other products when the temperature gets too warm. So they do have to get their hands in this, you know, side hustle of the lemonade stands and tell you how you're allowed to run them or not run them. And here's the deal, Rob. This bill passed 11 to 0. And uh, out, now, of a, out of a committee. Yeah. Out of a committee. And now it's going to move to the full house. Uh, okay. So it's one thing to say, hey, uh, little, little Billy and little Sally were in, selling their lemonade in the middle of a dangerous right-of-way, right mm-hmm. on the most crowded street, city street in, in, in the municipality. But we're talking about, like, I, I've never in the history of ever have I heard of, and again, if there's some landmark case, you can let me know where a six-year-old was uh, placed in handcuffs and <laughs> escorted to the nearest county or town jail, you let me know. But I've never heard of someone selling lemonade on their own property mm-hmm. and a municipality coming in with the heavy hand of, I mean, as bad as government is, I've never actually heard of this in Indiana. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe somebody's going to send me a thing and go, no, it absolutely needed to be addressed. But again, it's just like the thing we talked about with Chris Bilberry last hour about the how they're, they're going after the artificial intelligence people, I mean, to protect themselves. They can't solve any real problems. A litany of just disasters and looming disasters facing our state. They won't address those, but the lemonade stand, and mm-hmm. then the, and you watch, Casey, there will be a mailer that gets sent out, a taxpayer-funded mailer from one of these people going, <laughs> are, you, pr- are you okay if lemonade stands exist in Indiana? I protected your right to sell lemonade in your front yard. You already had the right to do it because nobody was enforcing it. Right, exactly. Nobody was enforcing it. And you know what? That's actually a question that we should have asked Chris about the AI bill. Uh, how are they going to regulate that? But let's move on and talk about something else somewhat childish, and that is Elmo's viral tweet that sparked uh, pretty much an existential crisis across the internet. Oh, no. So Elmo of Sesame Street uh, tweeted out the other day, Elmo is just checking in. How is everybody doing? Uh-huh. Pretty innocuous, right? The tweet received over 137 million views, and everybody from Wild Wings to Chipotle, Shake Shack, um, T-Pain, and even the President of the United States weighing in on how they're doing. So we got into this with Hammer a little bit earlier on the President of the United States. I think that's the bigger story, mm-hmm. is you have national crisis. Yeah. You have dead U.S. servicemen. You have a, a border that is totally out of control. You've got inflation that's out of control. You got you know high energy prices, and the president of the United States. Now, I look. I know there was not Twitter when Roosevelt was president. I know there was not Twitter when Reagan was president. But can you imagine ahead of uh, you know the summit with Gorbachev, Reagan mentioning Elmo? As he's about to head in there and mm-hmm. be the big boss or, you know, the meeting with Stalin and Churchill and and <laughs> Roosevelt gets up there and starts talking about Elmo. I think it's a little beneath the president of the United States to be giving credence mm-hmm. to or on official government 
uh, this isn't paper, but it is this equivalent of government documents. Right. His Elmo. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong? Well, I mean, I think what's going on here, clearly it is not Joe Biden who is crafting the tweet or hitting post or send or whatever. You know, it's one of his people doing it. And they're sitting in a room thinking, oh, we got to get on this Elmo viral t- trend uh, because this will make us seem like a regular person. So. I I get that they're trying to reach out to people, but at the same time, as you mentioned, there's more important things that if the fake president is tweeting out, it should be about condolences to the family of lost soldiers. Yeah, great point. And things of that nature. Um, Things that are just a little bit higher level. But I wanted to share some of the Elmo responses because of these 130 million people who were uh, reading the tweets and responding... It was one big trauma dump. Oh, and no. you have mentioned on the uh, on the air, Rob, how it seems like there's a depression across the country. Yes. You are spot on. People are replying, Elmo, I'm gonna be real. I'm at my limit. <laughs> Elmo, I've got That's a, so Elmo's a real person. Elmo, I've got a level with you, baby. We are fighting for our lives. Elmo was just checking in. Uh, he didn't ask for all of this. Other people saying, Elmo, they're done. Me over here talking to a Muppet. I mean, people are losing it. And, and you know, Elmo just asking, hey, how we doing? Because Elmo could sense that there's an issue. Well, and this is the conversation we have had for several years now. And I, I, am, uh, I lean more and more towards this every day. Like, okay, there's clearly a large amount of insane people running around in our country and they're when i say running around i mean they're not like people who escaped from the asylum they're they're functioning people they're working they're living um on their own you know they have children and uh, again not to be when i was a kid this place was a better country but i don't remember mass amounts of crazy people being exposed to mass amounts of crazy so the question is mm-hmm. did these people always exist and i just now see them because of the internet or has the internet emboldened people yeah. to be more extreme and more crazy? And I lean towards the, the latter, that there are many more people now because they are, they can be seen, mm-hmm. they can, you know, they feel like they, you know, a single tweet, they can get the fame they've long the desired. Yep. It, largely, you know, not that any person, not to in any way demean any life, but in terms of fame and national influence irrelevant people can find some semblance of relevance i think that it has become more extreme because people believe they can be seen well haven't we talked about how victimhood is the flex du jour yeah it's uh it's the trend it's uh gives you validation and that's exactly what is happening when people put out their boy I'm, I'm barely hanging on hanging on by a thread here they get likes they get reaction they get validation yeah me too and then everybody piles on but i also do believe that collectively uh there are a lot of mental health issues that are going on in the country brought on by the administration and the struggle that people are facing with their finances and the state of the economy and the state of the world, that all plays into it. And I also think you have this generational shift where nobody used to talk about mental health, but now people, it it has less of a stigma than it used to. Yeah, but there's also the thing of, hey, if you have mental health issues, which are very real, that you need to seek help and don't be afraid to ask. But there's also a lot of people who don't have mental health issues or don't have them near to the extreme they portray 
portray themselves as having, but they believe they can get some attention the, yes. and some sympathy. Yes, exactly. And it really demeans and undermines people who actually, have mental Who health actually issues. do have yes. the mental health issues. Yes. And I think uh, a part of this with the Elma viral trend was just a lot of people venting. Let's go home. On that note, we're Can done. We get out of here? We're done venting for the day, and we're going to leave Elmo's world. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Kevin, and thank you for listening today. Tony Katz is up next. This has been Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.